0: I reckon I've got about half an hour, but it doesn't start yet. It doesn't start till we get onto the message. A um, couple of things. Number one, when it's amazing. When we ca- all come over to Hill for the prayer meetings, please don't quote me on this. I just think they're better. <laughs> it, you come over, it's just sense there's the, you, you just sense the, like if you're sailing, you're, you're looking for where's the wind on the water. And so it's all water and it's all sailing, but you're looking for these patches of wind and you get three, two, one, and you hit the wind and you go. And I I feel like when we, genuinely, I think when we come over to pray with you guys, it's like, whoa, we hit uh, in the slipstream of the Holy Spirit. He's so for you um, and got so many purposes and plans for you that that it's more than you could uh, imagine, I think. Um, So that's great. But also thank you for when you guys come over to things like Angela Kem, and you make the, the effort to come over to Hastings, we are encouraged. They won't tell you this, because they don't want you to get big-headed. But they are encouraged, and we are encouraged so much. And you guys, you rock up on mass. You're committed. You're all in. And we love it we love it when you come. It's it just its so encouraging, sitting with Paul and the elders and the t- team, but also people from the congregation that perhaps lost friends, and they love it when people come through. say, new people, I don't know them. You are such a blessing and encouragement, so give yourselves a little pat on the back. Thank you. Um, during the worship, I had a, a picture, and I think it's probably going to be slightly helpful for maybe one person or a couple of people, and it's to do with Father's Day, I'm afraid. Um, now, I had an image of a, a mountain representing God and um, people were talking about coming to God as Father. It's like they were climbing up this particular route up to the top of the mountain and for you, there's no way you can climb up to God via God being Father. It's just too much. And this particular part of the mountain was covered in, in, in cloud for you, darkness. It's like it's, it, it's, it's just gloomy. It's, there's no way I can climb that way to God at the moment and what I felt was two things one God God wanted to encourage you it's okay you aren't going to miss out on a thing because there are so many more routes up the mountain to come to God and all he is you can come through his son who died for you. You can come through a friend who laid down his life for you. You can come through the lover of your soul. You can come through the provider. There's so many names. There's so many routes up the mountain to God. So number one, you haven't got to wait to come in and and, and know God because him being father is a stumbling block. You haven't got to wait. And you're not, if you're a Christian already, you're not going to miss out on his blessing because at the moment that route is too hard for you. And the second thing I felt is God saying, he's the one who, he's the, 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 the true mountaineer. And he was saying, it's okay, be patient, and I will, over time, help you to explore that route as well. So you can ha- enjoy all these other routes up the mountain into God's presence, but it's not going to remain off limits. The, the coming to God as Father is not going to remain off limits for you forever. But neither is he going to rush you up there. He's going to help you be patient and train you and equip you. And it's not going to be off limits for you forever. So if that's you, I just thank you, Father. If that's someone here, that they have full access to your presence, full access to your love. And they can come to know you. And I thank you that the first thing you are is love, and that is patient. And you are going to train and equip them as they're ready, so that even that root won't be off limits to them forever. Amen. So my half an hour starts now, Steve. (laughs) So um, we've been in the uh, hunger season, and the thing that struck me, I don't know if it struck you, but throughout the hunger season, the thing that struck me is what keeps coming is identity. identity. We want to come to God. We want to come, and he keeps saying, yes, but do you know who you are? Yeah, but we want to worship God. Yeah, but do you know who you are? Yeah, but we just want to focus on God. Yeah, but do you know what I've done for you? Do you know who you are? Do you know the access you have? Um, And really, that's what I want to look at this morning. And it's called a vision of the church and Christ. Who are you and who is he? That's what I'm hoping to get through. Just a couple of small topics. Um, So if you'd like to turn to Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 to 20. And I'm going to read it while you're looking for it. And that's okay because we're then going to go through it a bit um, afterwards. And it says this. So, Father, I thank you that we can know who we truly are in you. And we can know you truly as you are. And I, I just ask for your help this morning. Help with our hearts to hear and to see what your word says. Help me to be clear and concise. Amen. It says, this is the book of Revelation, okay? And it says this, I, John, your brother and partner in the the difficulty, the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and my testimony to Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me, A loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches and then it lists them. I turned to see the voice. You would, wouldn't you? If a voice goes off like a trumpet behind you, you would would turn. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was one like a son of man clothed in a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice, it was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was shining like the sun in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Fear not, I'm the first and I'm the last. I'm the living one. Yes, I died, but behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write these things, therefore, that you've seen. Those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels or messengers of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Great. So, first, the the, the talk really is going to be in two halves. The first half, I want to talk about the lampstand, the church, that's you and me as well as others, and the second half, I want to talk about the source of our light, which is Jesus, Uh, but just as a way of introduction, this book is written by John. As far as we can tell through history, this is basically Jesus' best mate. He knew him really, really well. And he had been talking about Jesus and encouraging the churches. And so they'd got hold of him and said, shut up. Stop talking about Jesus. And they've put him on the Isle of Patmos. Now, for us, when we think of a Greek island, we think of a nice holiday. It wasn't like a getaway destination, so uh, apparently there were no trees on it. it. it really was. be as isolated as you can be. we're going to shut you up, we're going to take you out of the game. we're going to put you far away so you can't shine for Jesus. you can't have any testimony. And Jesus says, "No, you don't. And he gives him the revelation of who he is and what's going on, and that test that thing he's written down, what he, the thing he saw. The thing that God spoke to him has gone global. It's throughout history and throughout the world. You can read John's revelation of Jesus shining forth. And I suppose the only thing I want to say in, in introduction is, if you've, circumstance is sidelining you, taking you out of the game, making your life small, making you feel like you've got no consequence, God says, No, I will not have my people put down, shut up, taken out of the game. When you face trials, difficulties, it's not true you're out of the game. God's focus is on you in intense detail. And your life, in one way, has even more consequence. So if you are struggling, you need support from others, let me tell you, you are more of a blessing, not less. Your life carries more import to us as a church, more consequence, not less. You don't need to apologize for needing support or help or anything like that. You are a blessing. We need you. And God's love and God's focus and God's plan for you is intensified, not decreased. That's what I get from the life of John. Amen. What a God we serve. Okay, so now let's move on to... uh, the actual passage we looked at John hears this voice behind him like a trumpet and he turns and Jesus is there but it's not what he sees first he turns and he sees these seven golden lampstands representing the church John saw the church before he saw Jesus and people still do John saw the church before he saw Jesus, and people still do. Let me ask you in this section, when people see you, what do they see? Oh, well, I'm not very, I'm not. When they see you, they see Jesus. When they see you, they see Jesus. Identity, who are we? When someone looks at you, they see Jesus. It's The same for you guys here. We get so used to beating ourselves up, focusing on, on our issues and our failings. When, God, when people see you, they are drawn to and see Jesus. No, you don't know me, John. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's true. When they see the church, they see Jesus. When people see you in your situation, in your life, when you're grumpy, when you're not grumpy, when you're doing well when you think oh man i hope steve doesn't see me because i'm bit, you people see jesus you guys guess what it's the same for you when people see you they see jesus what at school when i keep no no when people see you they see jesus they're drawn to jesus just like all the rest when people see you they see jesus but i don't understand and i don't have this ability when people come to your family have you at work bump into you in the street they are they have the opportunity if they want to to see jesus that's who you are that's why god wants a bexhill venue it's not so kings can go we've now got four venues it's so people in bexhill can see jesus I've got excited, so I've turned my notes onto Jesus already. I've got to go back to the lampstand. So, <coughs> four things about this lampstand, okay? Four things. Number one, the lampstand's precious, okay? Lampstands are symbolic of spiritual light, if you like, shining into spiritual darkness. Lampstands, uh, the first thing is they're precious. They're golden lampstands. You are, church, so precious. That means this. We need to be very careful how we talk about the church. We need to be careful how we talk about other local churches in the area. And we need to be very careful how we talk about this church. It's precious. It's God's golden lampstand. It's full of broken men and women that are being put back together. So guess what? It's not perfect. We don't need you to point that out. We know it doesn't mean we're not up for helpful criticism and some pointers when we get things wrong and stuff, but we need to be careful. Jesus died for the church. It's a precious golden lampstand, and actually we're talking about people he cares for. It's precious because gold's precious because it's rare. And you know what? What we've got in Jesus is rare. You can't get this somewhere else. You can't read a self-help book and get born again. You can't go to counseling and get new life, eternal life. It's rare what we've got. It's precious. But gold is also very strong. I've got a couple of lamp lampstands, and they're from Jerusalem. American friends of us that are so dear. We, we did life together for a season before they had to go back. They went to Jerusalem. And they brought back a couple of lampstands. and They're, they're great, but they were made of wood. And one of them caught fire, and then the top fell off because they weren't made of gold. <laughs> What's in you... It's, it's like it's made of gold, the eternal seed. There is an anointing that remains. It's your salvation. It's not going to break if you mess up once or twice. It's precious. It's permanent what God's done in you. We're not redeemed just by silver and gold. We are rescued by the precious blood of Jesus. That makes you, church, of such value. Next, I said it's powerful. I sort of covered that. What's in you is powerful. You can stand for Jesus. You won't break. What he's done in you is powerful. It says the powers of the age to come have broken in now in you. You are more powerful, actually, with God, what God's doing in you than your circumstance, your situation. When you think, I can't take any more, what God's done in you is resurrection, life and power. Bexhill Church, Bexhill Venue, Can we? what about the surrounding area? No, 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 you're precious and you're powerful. What God's put in you is powerful. You're, you're a golden lampstand. You're not going to break as you reach out and you, you share the gospel. Next. Lampstands are meant to be prominent. If I could say something to you, and hopefully it's prophetic, it's don't fear prominence, Bexhill. Don't fear prominence. And for you individually, don't fear prominence. There's a real danger, I think, in our culture, in our church, that because Jesus said don't, uh, that there's certain things that should be private, like you're giving and you should have a private prayer life and you should, your relationship should be sourced in private, that we think we should never be public. Listen, Jesus says, let your good deeds shine before people that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. If you want to give glory to God, you've got to go public. If you want to give glory to God, you really do, you have got to go public. If it's all hidden, they cannot see your good deeds and they cannot give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not fear prominence. Do not fear speaking up in your family. Do not fear, fear speaking up in this town. Do not fear being asked to do things. You say, I can't do that going to speak to this group that group go in your fear if you like because you're not to fear prominence and lastly uh, lampstands are purposeful you are here for a purpose god has plans and purposes for your life for this congregation and it's to do not just you good but to do others good and here's a, just a little freebie. You don't put lights on when it's light. You put lights on when it's dark. Your purpose is not to retreat and go from your home, which is safe, to a congregation that's safe. The reason God wants a l- part of the reason, a large part, He wants a venue in Becks Hill, is to shine out of the darkness, to find the places where people are struggling and depressed, and broken, and their marriage is under attack, or they've got mental health issues, or they may be, and go, let get to know me, because I'm part of the church. I'm part of the light of the world. Matthew 5, verse 14 says this. This is what Matthew 5, verse 14 says. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bucket. No, they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, King's Church, Bexhill, Let your light shine before others so they will see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, in that passage, it's global, isn't it? The light of the world, the light of the world. And you see that with the end of slavery, with Wilberforce and Wedgwood, you see when the Berlin Wall came down, there was a great prayer meeting of the churches. You see at the end of apartheid, the church had a key role this light is global when good things breakthrough comes globally often you find it's the church at the heart of it then it says a city on a hill locally we're called to shine as a church as well and we do that through sometimes projects like baby basics which supports new mothers that are struggling to provide through uh, cap christians against poverty which is a national network We've got a local base that helps free people from poverty. We do it through Food Bank when people are in crisis and can't eat. We do it from TLG, which is an organisation that supports kids struggling so they stay in school. We do it through the Reflect Pregnancy Crisis Support when either people are thinking of making decisions about a baby or they have made a decision. We do it through the helping to take a lead on the Syrian resettlement program. We do it through the Transom Trust, trying to find homes for the homeless. And we do it by building venue after venue across this area. We need to let our light shine locally. But then, the final example from this passage is from a household. We don't do our Christian stuff out there and then run to our home and shut our doors and say, world, keep out. That's not how Christians live. Christians open their home. And their own lives to say, I will let you come up close and intimate and personal, and I'll let my light shine that way as well. It doesn't say, Make your light shine. It says in that passage in in Matthew, Let your light shine. And just for a minute, we need to talk about buckets. (laughs) It says, Don't put a bucket. Imagine if I was trying to talk to you and I had a bucket on my head. You'd be like, That doesn't make any sense. You are the light of the world. So you need to not try and make yourself shine. You can't stop shining. You don't need to make yourself shine. You can't stop shining because who you are. But you can put a bucket on your head. And I think there's two buckets I'd like to talk about. One is ongoing persistent sin, where people get near you and they just think, ugh. Ugh that ongoing temper, the way you handle your, your work finances or you treat your employees or the way you speak to your... Ma- ongoing, persistent sin that just puts people off. Listen, we've all had it or got it at some point, okay? So if you've got an issue like that, no big deal, let's get it sorted. Talk to someone, be accountable, particularly leaders, let's get it sorted. You won't be the first, you won't be the last, We've got to be honest about this stuff. You get born again, there's like a seed of perfection that comes. But boy, sometimes does it take time to work out through your life. So if you've got a bucket of sin, talk to someone. Talk to someone who, don't talk to someone else who's got the same bucket. Let me help try and bang, get that bucket bang off your head. Talk to someone who doesn't have a bucket on their head in that area. But honestly, you've got permission. You've got freedom. Confess your sin to one another. Without We need to do this stuff. Get the bucket off your head. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about the people that need to see your light shine. You're being taken out of the game. We need you. You need us. So just talk to someone. It's no, there may be consequences. There may be things. But talk to the pastors. Talk to people you trust. The second bucket is counting ourselves out. I'm not mature enough. I'm not secure enough. I'm not able enough. I'm too new. Listen. Imagine I go home after this. It's quite late, and I get to my house. I open the door and I put the hall light on. The hall light goes. Oh, not today. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a street light. I'm just a hall light. I'm not coming on. You stumble through. You think I'm quite hungry, so you open the fridge, and the fridge says, the fridge light says, oh no, I'm not coming on. Because I'm. I'm just a hall. I. I I'm not a hall light. I'm just a fridge light. I'm just. I, I don't have much influence on anybody. My life is so small at the moment. I'm not going to shine. I'm just a fridge light. And then you go out to the garden because the dog needs to go for a wee. That's what happens with us. So I get the torch and I go out. The torch says, oh, not today. I'm not shining. I'm not powered by electricity. I'm just batteries. I'm just a second-class citizen in the, in the church. I'm not going to shine. Listen, you are the light of the world. If you are a stadium light, shine for Jesus. So if you're like Andrew a little bit where he's been asked to speak a bit more and he's getting a bit more of an influence, great. We cheer him on and go, go, Andrew. And he says, please pray for me because it, having more profile is quite nerve-wracking. Great, go stadium light. We love it. If you're a hall light and you give lights to people that locally, fantastic. Shine like a hall light. And this is my favorite if you're a little fridge light and you think, really, I'm only significant to one or two people, fantastic. You are the light of the world in a fridge. Guess what? When I go to the fridge, I don't want a stadium light. It doesn't help to have a stadium light in the fridge, does it? So perhaps we should stop wanting to be stadium lights and be happy with, at this moment, I'm a fridge light. I have an influence on one or two people. Fantastic. Then shine for Jesus. Shine in your family. Shine with your work colleagues. Maybe you're a torch. Think I don't really get this church stuff that much. I love coming, but I don't see a role. Really, my role is outside the church, and that's where I have the maximum impact. Fantastic. That's okay. Just come and be blessed. We'll be blessed by you being here and do your stuff outside the church. We need you. You are the light of the world. Let's just get used to being the light of the world. And if you're placed in a stadium and have massive impact, fantastic, no biggie. If you're a fridge light, fantastic, no biggie. Just together the church with a light of the world shining in different places to different people at different times. And in our lives, sometimes we'll impact loads, and sometimes God will say, I'm going to take this bit, bit of light and I'm going to put it alongside just this person. Because it's just what they need at the moment. It's okay. You are the light of the world. If you constantly think, I can't share the gospel. I'm just not able. Let me say I played a lot of sports in my life. And what you do is you try and get in the head of the best players. Because if you can stop them playing, the team doesn't function. If you have counted yourselves out, and in your head there's this thing saying you're not good enough, you can't do it, probably this. Probably you are very good at sharing the gospel in a certain way. It might be one-to-one. Probably what's happened is the enemy knows, I need to shut that one up, otherwise people are going to find Jesus. I need to convince that person not to speak, because then people will be set free. I love talking. And I have found many people do not appreciate it when I try and share the gospel with them. And I've found lots of people who are a bit more nervous come alongside and share the gospel, and they go, I'll take that from you, thank you. We need you. We need you, and God is calling you to share the gospel in your own way, in your own personality. Do not leave it to the evangelists, because it's our job to train and equip you Because you are the light of the world. And when you shine, the the darkness flees. People are set free from demonic oppression. Marriages are restored. Children are rescued. Bexil, you are the light of the world. Shine. Come on, fridge lights. Come on, torches. Come on, stadium lights. Shine so people see Jesus. Right, that's the first half done. Love it. Second half, here we go lampstands don't have any source of light themselves. It's okay, so you can shine as bright as you want because we don't get all the credit. The light that's placed in us is Jesus, isn't it? Lampstands are made to have light abide in them, placed in them. We are made to have the light of Jesus Christ placed in us and shine. This is the person, our source of light. It says revelation i turned to, to see him and it says this when he p- saw the lampstands then he saw one like a son of man one he came he took on flesh he came to identify with us a human being he one like a son of man it says he had a garment down to uh, a full garment and a, a, a golden sash he ain't no carpenter anymore He's not just a carpenter anymore. Really grateful for carpenters. They can come and fix things. But a carpenter can't deal with the issues of my soul. He's more than a carpenter. He's now full of dignity and he's got a golden sash round his waist because he's the dignified one. He's the risen one. He's in heaven and he is the light of the world. It says his hair was white like wool, like snow. That represents in the Bible fullness and purity. I have... I'm receding because there's an imbalance of testosterone. Other people do their hair up to try and add to their image. Or he doesn't need any of that. He's full. He's complete. Nothing's out of balance. Nothing's out of whack. He is perfect and pure in every way. And the interesting thing about this son of man they see in the lampstands is 500 plus years before, there was someone called Daniel who had a vision of God. And it says, Daniel says, in his vision, he approached the Ancient of Days, God the Father, if you like, and he was white like wool, like snow. But here, John sees the Son of Man approach the Ancient of Days, and it's the Son of Man who's got hair white like wool, like snow. Because this Son of Man, this human being who represents you and me, is God eternal. He's the God-man. He's the one where heaven and earth comes together. He's the one that r- comes to identify and rescue humanity, but is also God, representing God's behalf. He isn't just a carpenter anymore. This son of man is a son of God. It says he has eyes like flames of fire. <laughs> yes, he's fully human in every way, But he is eternal and other and burns with holiness. He burns with holiness. He's so different. He's the creator. We are the created. Yes, he became like us. But there is something about him so other, so different, that burns with holy passion and fire. This is the light we carry. This is the light we carry. I love this. His feet. Anyone not like feet? Some people don't like feet. I tell you, today that's going to change. You're going to love these feet. His feet are like burnished bronze. They glow like fire. Feet is where you touch the earth. And particularly in those days, feet would have been dirty and disgusting and really smelly. His are like burnished bronze, purified in a fire. Jesus was tried and tested in every way. When he was on earth, in every way, and yet was without sin. There's not a situation you face he doesn't understand. There's not a circumstance you face he hasn't got an answer for. He was tried and tested in every way, yet was without sin. I love the way he meets the woman with the issue of blood. And he comes and he says, daughter, be whole. I love the way he meets the the demon-filled man. And he says, be free, come out of him. You watch his interaction. He was perfect in every way. He has feet like burnished bronze. He was tested, he was pure, and he remained strong. Do you know, sometimes we're tested and tried as well. That's why we're called saints, holy ones, because we're a bit like his hands and feet. When the trials and the testings come, we don't look forward to them, but your faith gets purified if you let it, so that when we appear before him, we will not be ashamed. In Daniel, there was a, he had a vision of different from from his time up to the coming of Jesus, and he saw these kingdoms. And the last one he saw was the Roman kingdom, and it was made of iron and clay. Because with all its strength, it was brittle and would ultimately fail. And you know, every earthly king is frail, every earthly kingdom will pass away, but not this one, because his feet are burnished bronze. It's an eternal kingdom. There is nowhere better to, to place your faith, your trust your resources than the church, than giving your life to Jesus because it's an eternal kingdom that will never, ever pass away until it's subsumed and taken over every other kingdom and of the increase of his government and peace, of this God-man, there will be no end. That's what we're living for. That's what we're waiting for. We have setbacks at times, but we're on the winning side. His voice. It then says his voice is like mighty water. I've been to Niagara Falls. I had the privilege of doing that. You don't even get to see it before you're a bit intimidated. You just hear, as you're walking, you hear. <coughs> when you get a bit nearer, <coughs> and by the time you get there, you go, it's quite impressive, isn't it? And they say, pardon? You say, it's quite, They you can't hear because you're just so dominated by the volume and the power a voice roaring like mighty waters, to me, repre- and when I was reading, represents power and authority. When he speaks, when you read this and it tells you who you are, it's not some, oh, I wish I, could, I wish I could believe that. And the whole thing about coming to him as father, there is power and authority in this word that will carve a channel in your life that will bring hope and life, no matter what's happened to you. When I was in the Lake District, when I was living up north, and we were a couple of hours in the Lake District, they had such a deluge of rain which is often in the Bible a picture of the Holy Spirit, that ancient rivers sprung up again. And there was one ancient river where they seen the maps and just thought, this river hasn't been around for years. We're going to build this concrete building. And guess what? When the river came, concrete building didn't stand a chance. You try and move a concrete building, you think this is immovable. You don't understand. I've thought this for so long. I've been this way for so long. Nothing human can do it. And then the Holy Spirit comes with the Word of God and the rain comes, and the river comes, and you find, I used to be so insecure, and the foundations of what caused that are washed away, and the river of life comes, and you find, I'm secure. How did that happen? His word comes with power and authority. And then it comes on to the Son of Man again, and it talks about his mouth and his hand. And what's interesting is, he has a sword in his mouth and a message in his hand. Imagine if I said, right, we're going into battle. Get your swords out. Everyone put your sword in. Charge! Who's afraid of an army with swords in their mouths? I'm afraid of an army with swords in their hands. And surely a message should be in the mouth, not in the hand. Here's the thing. The reason the sword's in his mouth is the gospel is the only weapon he needs. We've been so conned not to share the gospel wait for the right time, opportunity. We've been so conned. This, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God for the salvation. Not to make them a little bit better, to literally reach down, rescue, them, and say, grab hold of this, and pull them up and say, you're eternally secure. It's the power of foot until salvation for everyone. For everyone. So the sword's in his mouth because the message is all he needs. And the messengers, the angels, the messengers are in his hand because that's not just angels, that's you and me. We're sent out. Come on, church. Go with the authority of Jesus Christ, the the roaring waters with this message. And just say, do you know what? I've waited so long, I have never told you. But actually, I'm not too sure about telling people you're a Christian. Tell them you, you know Jesus, you follow Jesus. Of course half of them will think you're crazy. Of course they will. That, but then they'll meet someone else who says, I love Jesus. and Then they'll meet someone else that says, I follow Jesus. Then they start to think, oh, perhaps there's something in this. So if you wait until people won't think you're crazy, guess what? We'll just be quiet. and We won't let our light shine. Then it comes to his f- face. His face shines like the sun in full strength. It says one day we will see him face to face, and when we do, we'll be changed like that. There's such beauty, such beauty in his face, in who he is, that when we see him, we'll be changed, and who we really are will be evident to all. He is blindingly hot awesome and totally overwhelming. John sees him and falls at his feet as though dead. The created meets the creator. The finite meets the eternal. And there are no questions. There are no accusations. There's not a friendly embrace. There is a face down. I am in the presence of one like a son of man whose voice is like a a roaring waterfall, whose eyes blaze fire who was tried and tested in every way without sin, and I will hush my mouth and I will bow down as though dead in the presence of such holiness. And he comes, and it says, he doesn't go. Yeah, that's right. That's where you should be. Didn't follow me very well, did you? Well, he doesn't. He says he comes and he puts his right hand, symboling his full strength, his supernatural authority, and he says. Do not fear. There's so much to be fearful of in life, isn't there? Powers in comparison to meeting our Maker. And the Bible is very clear. When we meet him, we will fear because of His holiness. Or you can get to know Him now, give your life to Him now, and when you meet Him and you're overwhelmed, He'll say, Don't fear come in. I love you. I know you. Why don't we fear? Because he's the first. What was there at the start? He was. What will be there at the end? Global wars? He will be. He's the first and the last. Yes, he died in history, but the grave couldn't hold him. He now lives forever. He's not going anywhere. So once you're in him and you know him, he's never going to let you down because he's never going anywhere. He's the living one. Have you got any keys anyone? please thanks steve and it says this i've got the keys of death and hades i went to a funeral recently and it was heartbreaking of a young man and there was tears because he'd been snatched away from us but he knew jesus he's not snatched away from jesus death separates us from our loved ones and it leaves pain it doesn't separate us from him anymore because he holds the keys even of death and Hades, ultimately all fear, to some extent, can be traced back to death. If we weren't able to die, we wouldn't be scared of much. The thing that causes the source of pretty much all fear, he's got the keys, which means when you know him, you can't die without his say-so, and the grave can't keep you in it if he lets you out. Fear not at Bexhill. Instead, let your light shine before men, so they will see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Father God, I want to thank you for how incredible each person here is. Saved by you, a precious golden lampstand. But I thank you how much brighter the light is when we act as one. We act as your church. And I pray for the stadium lights here. I pray for the hall lights. I pray for the fridge lights. I pray for the torches. I pray, God, would they just be confident in who you've made them to be because of who you are. And in their own personality and their own situation with their ups and downs, I pray, give them people to talk to Jesus about so they can be changed from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of the sun you love and eternally set free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our time is gone, so thank you, John. why don't just, let's, just, let's just pause, though. Let's, uh, although our time's gone, let's just take a, just a couple of minutes just to um, reflect on uh, what John has said there. I think there's a lot of kind of powerful encouragement to us, um, just some words of wisdom, really, for us to think about in relation to our own walk of witness for Jesus, that role that he calls us to.